0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, Lacrosse is added again with a new line of lace up hunting boots, the Navigator Series. And in that Navigator series, there are two models: there's the Atlas for Men and the Windrose for both men and women. To find out more information about this new Navigator series, visit lacrossefootwear.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be joined by Joel Johnson. He's a returning guest, and we're going to talk about something pretty interesting, something that we've never really covered on this podcast before, and that is what our responsibilities are as hunters. And that goes as far as how we present ourselves on social media, in forums. Um, And just how we communicate hunting uh, to people who may not like hunting or people who just don't understand hunting and fishing um, and how social media kind of all ties into that. So it's a really interesting podcast, something, like I said, we've never really touched on before. But I, I truly believe that we have a responsibility as the minority in this case. There's only like what? I think the last quote unquote census that was done there's somewhere around 11 million hunters left in the United States compared to the rest of the population. That's a that's like 5% of the population that hunts. Now a lot of people may be okay with hunting, but then there's that really loud voice of anti-hunters that are trying to, you know, stop hunting as a as a a sport and uh, we don't want that to happen so we got to put our best foot forward in a in a scenario like this and we have just a really good conversation and what this conversation is meant to do is kind of open your eyes open your ears and maybe start some dialogue um, and maybe for you to look back on how you uh, represent the hunting community and uh, all that stuff so like I said, interesting podcast. Now, before we get started, we gotta pay the bills here, and we have to send a big thank you to our partner at Bondurant Custom Furniture. If you guys haven't checked out their website, gallery bondurantcustomfurniture.com, com, take a look at all the awesome customized furniture that these guys build. Um, like I said, every you know every week they they make their custom furniture, some of it anyway, out of refurbished whiskey barrels Uh, they make tables and chairs and artwork and clocks and dog beds I mean you name it these guys can do it and if you're looking for a a piece of furniture that is how do I put this uh, that you come up with I guess it's your idea you run it by them I'm sure they'll be able to uh, put something together for you as well so Go to their website, BondurantCustomFurniture.com. Number one, take a look at everything they that they make. And then if you have any questions, reach out to them on, the, on their website. You can email them. You can call them up and just chit-chat with them a little bit. And I'm sure they can find what you're looking for. BondurantCustomFurniture.com. All right. We've paid the bills. We've done the intro. Let's get into today's podcast with Joel Johnson. All right. Welcome back, Mr. Joel Johnson. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me. Uh it is
0: August and where is your I'm getting fired up for Whitetail season meter right about now?
1: <laughs> I would say I'm I'm probably I do I don't typically do a lot of real early season hunting, so um, I'm more anxious about getting all my food plot stuff done, um, uh, before it gets too late. But I would say I'm, I'm, uh, I've got, actually have a head I'm waiting for, uh, to pick up. And so I'd say I'm at a solid six or seven. And, and once I pick up, uh, uh, that, uh that uh that head from last year from the taxidermist comes through i'm sure it's going to start uh, really cranking as we get closer to september and october
0: yeah i just got my head from last year uh, a couple weeks ago and it's one of those things where i don't i don't know what it is about uh, a mount it's almost as better it's almost better than a picture because i can i, I look at that mount and i relive that hunt every single day it's it's absolutely crazy and i know they're not cheap but if if i kill a deer i'm gonna mount it
1: i agree with you on that piece you know it's one of those uh my wife gives me i grief all the time i can't remember this or that but i can look at every single um deer i have mounted and you know i can almost remember to the point where I, I, i i almost remember what it smelled like that day yeah um it's it's kind of weird uh i've gotten to the point now where um and, uh, not trying to brag here i don't have a very big house but i'm out of, i'm out of wall space and so she's put me on a pretty tight, uh, <laughs> tight restriction it's gotta it's gotta be bigger than my biggest one uh uh or or else it doesn't get mattered anymore so i've got i've got uh, a few in the house and then i've got several um uh, just, you know, nice quality deer out, out in my uh, machine shed that are in various states of, of either um, kind of European mounts or just skull mounts from from uh, uh, letting nature take care of the, the, uh, yeah. the hair and stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy that you could say it, it brings back a memory and you can almost know what it smells like. I'm in my office and I'm looking at what I did is I took two lines of barbed wire and I drill them into the studs, and then I hang my sheds that I find off there. Ooh,
1: that's cool.
0: It's sad. It's almost like when you were a kid, and your mom or dad asked you, man, you know every lyrics to this song, but you can't do this class better. You can't get a, you know, your, your, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, you know the lyrics to the song, but you can't get an A in this class. What's your problem, or whatever. I can look Mm -hmm. at every antler, Probably almost every antler on this ranging from just something that's fits in the size of your hand to my biggest one that's like one seventy five or something like that. Or excuse me, um uh, uh seventy five inch side. And I can tell you exactly where I found it. I could point on a map and show you exactly <laughs> where I found it. And it's it it's crazy.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And uh you know, I haven't uh I haven't been very successful shed hunting. It's kind of like turkey hunting for me, but, um, I did, you know, I was actually out coyote one day, um, and there was a bunch of snow on the ground. We were South of the timber just driving down the road. And, and, uh, you know, I saw horns poking up out of a, out of a snow drift. So I was like, you know, I told my father and hey, pull over, I'm going to grab that. And so, you know, lo and behold, I reached down in the snow to grab this. And I'm thinking it's just going to be, you know, uh, you know, a 30 or 40 inch side to a, to a deer. Oh my gosh. I pull it out of the snow drift and it's, it's literally this giant, massive, uh, non-typical 88 and 8th. Eight it's <laughs> scored at the deer classic a few years ago. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, that deer, and then that was 10 years ago. If that deer had been shot by somebody, you know, we would have known about it because, yeah. you know, even if it was close on the other side, you're talking a, a 200 inch deer by the time you throw in on the spread, so yeah, uh, yeah. I, I like I just said. I mean, I know what we were driving. I know who I was with, and I know uh, where I found it. And you know, we were just driving down the road. So it's it's funny what your what your uh, what your mind memorize, uh, memorializes and what it doesn't. That's
0: right. That's right. And this conversation kind of ties into a, an article talking about memories and what we take away from hunting. Um, you wrote an article in the Iowa Sportsman called "Turning Over a New Leaf." Why don't you explain to us what that article is about and and why you wrote it?
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, it it was about uh, a lot of different things, both both good and bad, right? So, uh, you know, when we get when we get done, you know, really January 11th, uh, you know, just after midnight, when for the most part the seasons we all look forward to are over. Um, uh, you know, it, it that depression kind of starts to kick in the next day and, and you start thinking about, you know, the tags you may not, may or may not have filled, the deer that uh, that you shot, uh, was it the one you wanted or not, you know, should you have been more patient, you know, the pheasant hunts you were on, how successful you were, you know, what you did wrong, what you could have done differently. You know, even back to, to open water fishing season where it's like, you know, I, I know I only have this many times to get out. Did I use my time to the fullest? You know, what did I see when I was there? What was the experience, et cetera? And so through kind of all of that reflection, it's like, you know, there's some things that that as sportsmen, um, you know, we really owe it to not only ourselves and our families and and uh, uh, the people that, that we associate with, but, but the people that we don't associate with. You know there are a lot of opportunities out there when we think about it, or at least when I think about it to improve not only um, uh, our success out in the field but also um, our image uh, and the way that the hunting and fishing is is uh, portrayed to to uh, those that maybe don't do much or 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 do any hunting or fishing and so the article tried to capture um hopefully some of the good and bad and some of the really annoying um, and really prolific uh, uh, junk that's going on, especially on uh, social media these days. Yeah. So
0: as a whole, maybe high level, do you think that hunters, you know, fishermen do a good job of representing themselves uh, online?
1: I would say the, the vast majority do. Um, but those that don't, um, create, you know, create such a stir, um, you know, going viral because of something bad that someone said, or, or, you know, the actions of somebody caught on camera, caught on video, you know, that, you know, even if we're at 99% good, that 1%, you know, that's what gets the, uh, that's what gets the airtime. That's what gets, you know, uh, retweeted or, you know, re forwarded and, and all that good stuff. And so, um, I, I think the, the good and bad of social media is, you know, uh, people are looking for uh, a story. And so, you know, just being a good outdoorsman um, and being a good steward of our resources isn't good enough. Um, people want to see that, you know, it's like, it's like seeing a car wreck on the highway. Um, you know, everybody starts looking and, and then they want to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it, it there used to be a saying that says bad press is all you know there's no such thing as bad press any press is good press uh do you think that the way these bad apples put that out is is bad press then for the hunting community
1: yes i yeah. do okay um I, I really do and you know it goes it, it go you know to me personally it's it's uh Uh, sometimes uh, I would say some folks in the industry, you know, people that are selling stuff, you know, they are selling to certain demographics and they're selling to a certain audience. Um, And unfortunately uh, some of those audiences are not um, representative of, of, uh, of everybody. Uh, Certainly folks uh, my age, I'm in my my mid forties now. And so, um, depending on who some of our, our, uh, uh, outdoor companies are, are marketing to, um, the message can be, you know, good, uh, better or, or a lot worse depending on, uh, uh, who they're marketing to. Right. So whenever you start to criticize
0: someone about, let's say it's a picture, right? Let's say someone posts a picture on Instagram and it's, a picture of them sitting on the back of the deer. They're holding the head up. The tongue's hanging out. There's blood all over. And maybe the caption was like "Got her done" or "Get her done" or whatever like that. Um, the peep. There's a, there's a group of people say that say, you know what? I'm a hunter. I don't need to apologize for that. This is the end result. An animal dies. What what's your response to something like that?
1: Be honest, that's that's the kind of thing that's really uh uh cringe worthy to me. Um especially like I said, as I've gotten older. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe that's that's part of it too, is um there is so much emphasis around you know, the kill and being successful and this and that and that, the celebration afterwards and all of those things are, are fine. Um but you know what what bugs me is, you know, this is a uh, this is a, and maybe this is, this is partially comes from, from me being a, a bow hunter and that, you know, I invest so much time, um, uh, you know, really all year long into, uh, planning and strategizing and trying to shoot one of these deer. And I have such an incredible amount of respect for, for their senses and, and, uh, you know, the way they've evolved, uh, and, and, you know, the hunt, right? I mean, I can't remember, I don't think I've ever gone out bow hunting and shot my deer the first day. I mean, usually it's, you know, I'm going to have 60, 70, 80, 90 hours into a tree stand or or a ground blind before I even get my first shot. And so, uh, for me, when it does, if it does, I'll come together and I'm able to, you know, able to kill a, you know, a, a deer that would make me proud you know, I've been matching wits with this guy all season. And so to me, it's, it's no different than, you know, matching, you know, as a, as a person matching wits with, with, uh, you know, an opponent on the field. I mean, you got to have respect for him, And when you're taking something's life, um, I just feel like, uh, um, you know, there should be a lot of reverence for that. We shouldn't be sitting on the back of a, of a deer and, you know, holding the head up, mouth agape with tongue hanging out, blood hanging out. Every, I mean, you know, take, take 30 seconds, um, you know, tuck that tongue in and, you know, drag it over to a spot where you're not, doesn't look like you, you just butchered a hog and, you know, then take your pictures. I mean, everybody's going to enjoy the pictures and they're going to think a lot better, especially people that don't hunt, right. um, that are just cruising the internet and, you know, see a picture of a guy and a deer, um, they're gonna have a lot more respect for for you if you actually pose that deer in a way that is that is respectful um uh, rather than you know two seconds after the shot and you know we're still high fiving and in this thing is uh it just you know it just seems like there's a lack of reverence for, for taking a life.
0: Yeah. So with with that said then uh I tell you, every time I kill a deer and I take a picture of it. I do my best, I mean, to the point where I, I go buy um, a bottle of water, uh, Some I carry some towels in my car, and even a brush. <laughs> like, if I can find a brush at a gas station, I'll comb it, clean all the blood off of it, uh, and then position it in a way where, you know, maybe the hole isn't, you know, if I if I shot it through the lungs, there's obviously going to be blood coming out of its nose if I shot it, you know, there's going to be blood coming out of its side and I do my best to try to clean it up, get it up. So it doesn't look so gory. Um, but sometimes I feel that, I don't know. And I'm I, I I don't disagree with you, but part of being a hunter is also, you know, we have to be a steward. But do you think that if I said to you, you know, hey, we're hunters, an animal has to die, you got to deal with it. Is that, uh, is that too rough of a way to explain that to somebody? Or do you think uh, a, a comment like that needs to be softened a bit?
1: I think it depends on the au- audience, Dan. Yeah. I think if you're amongst friends that are hunters, uh, you know, maybe that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm going to go out, I'm going to buy my tags, that, you know, that justifies me going out, um, based on the rules set forth by the state that I'm going to go out and kill a deer. Right. Uh, and so I think the conversation amongst your hunting friends, um, uh, is, is one, uh, take on that. But I think if you are in mixed company, then it's different. Right. Uh, because if, if I'm the average person that, that all I know about Uh, what I buy at the store is, you know, meat is, you know, beef is red and chicken is white and and pork is somewhere in between. Um, You know, I know that that, the hunters don't have to go out there and shoot a deer. You don't have to, right. You can go buy your meat in the store. Right. And so I think, uh, you know, and those are the same people that may have a young son or daughter that might be interested in going hunting. But when we give those people a sour taste in their mouths, that, you know, hunters, are a bunch of, a bloodthirsty, uh, and pardon my, my speech here, but uh, a bunch of bloodthirsty rednecks, um, that are out chasing around and pick up trucks and this and that, you know, when we think about the sports we love and, and the, the decline in, in recruitment, and, you know, there's fewer people hunting and fishing every year. Um, you know, it's, it's not really a big surprise. Um, when, when those people are experiencing our sport through that lens, um, uh, you know, it's not going to be something, uh, that, uh, they want to get their kids involved
0: with. Right. Let's say in a perfect world, we have the ability to communicate as one voice to, let's say anti hunters and the anti hunters are probably a really small population compared to, to people who just don't hunt and probably just don't care if other people hunt. It's just, it's maybe not for them. What what message do you think that we need to, I guess, send as a united voice as all hunters to the the non-hunting public? Right. If you if you were to be the guy who's in charge of the message that gets sent out, what does that message say?
1: I think contrary to, to what you see on at least what I see on the cable the cable shows that I watch is. Um, you need, we need to focus on, you know, everything leading up to somebody pulling the trigger, somebody grabbing a horn off the ground, somebody looking for the deer. We need to focus on, you know, the planning and the strategizing and, and the time spent, um, with, uh, with mentors and, and with, with relatives and, you know, that fellowship and and really celebrate the hunt. And everything that goes into the hunt versus, you know, spending, spending time on, on the actual kill and, you know, and, and really glorifying, you know, where you shot the animal and, and how big it was and, and, uh, you know, posing for pictures and, and, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Joe Blow, uh, you know, outdoor celebrity. I, I am paid to go out and, and, uh, you know, uh, kill animals in every, as many states as I can every year. Um, you know, I think if we, if I was going to go approach a, somebody that didn't know anything about hunting, uh, I would focus on the hunt first and the fellowship with friends and family and, and, you know, kind of the, the process of learning, uh, the rites of passage you go into hunting. It doesn't matter if it's deer or, or pheasants or, or squirrels. I mean, every time you shoot something, you're taking a life. And so, um, if we want to kind of reverse the. The trend, uh, I think we have got to kind of go back to basics and focus more on, on the sport of it and of, you know, all of the, the things that lead up to actually pulling that trigger for the first time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I agree a lot because one thing that really pisses me off the most is when someone starts a conversation with the score. Of an ant of the buck in the antlers, right? It's just like, oh, this buck was 250 inches. For someone like me, I don't care. I mean, yes, I look at the antlers, and I, you know, I'm just like anybody else. Big antlers are cool, but they don't define that experience, I don't think. And I get really frustrated when not only the hunting community but the hunting industry focuses so much on the antlers when that is, I don't know. It's like you're missing out on something if you're only focusing on a score. Because when you give something a score, then you're you're trying to rank something. And when you're trying to rank something, you're trying to be better than somebody else. And in that scenario, and I think you're going to talk about this as well, is we're not on the same playing field. This isn't basketball where everybody has the same court, the same rules right we're we're in different states we're on different farms We we have different deer populations we have different quality of deer as far as maturity and antler growth is concerned and yet here we are comparing ourselves to each other when we're not even on the same playing field
1: yeah that's really true um and you know it, it even expands beyond beyond deer hunting right it's like it's like trying to compare uh you know uh I'll just use this because it's an easy one you know comparing uh, the the size or numbers of walleyes you can catch in Iowa versus the size and and uh, numbers of walleyes you can catch in Minnesota right and so uh yeah I mean and it's you know Iowa has a reputation of, of a big buck state and it's like hitting the lottery for a lot of out-of-state people um, when they do happen to uh, score enough points um, to get a buck tag in Iowa and so when you think about that you know if I'm waiting and you waiting two or three years uh, even to have the opportunity to come to a state like this to have such a a uh, a uh, uh, kind of legendary whitetail herd you know I you know i would I would put a lot of my energy into that and wouldn't necessarily even though i waited a couple of years I think people um, get the false expectation that they're gonna go to any any farm, I'm just generalizing here, south of I-80, and they're going to have a 150 or 160-inch deer walk by their first day or, or in a three- or five-day hunt. I mean, that's just not the reality. Yeah.
0: Do you think that the hunting media as a whole, and you can categorize me in this if you want, but do you think that the hunting media as a whole does a poor job of representing the hunting community to non-hunters
1: I think it depends. Um, you know, when I think about the, and and I'll just use deer, I'll I'll beat up on deer hunting some more. Uh, when I think about when I was first getting into deer hunting, I was, you know, 20, 21 years old. And so back in the late nineties, when I think about the outdoor media companies that were out there, I mean, you're, you're, you're really only talking about a handful. You had, you know, Bill Jordan and his team and and you had Jackie Bushman and his team um, and maybe a a handful of others. But, you know, the one thing that always impressed me uh, about those guys and the Drury brothers can be thrown in there, too, is, you know, the the passion, the dedication uh, to not only what they're doing, but but the production value of of their videos. For the most part, Uh, these were, you know class acts you know they were not out there you know to show blood and guts and this and that i mean they were out there trying to um, educate people on hunting and then you know as as horns have become a bigger and bigger priority of course they've all you know evolved uh, to sell more videos um, to to you know using the the latest and greatest food plots even the latest and greatest Um, you know, equipment, whether that be archery gear or or rifles or what have you. But, you know, I think about uh, folks like that. They're kind of the legends in the industry. Um, They've always approached things uh, uh, with high production value, um, uh, with a very um, passionate approach to it. And, And in some cases, you know, pretty spiritual approach where they're still celebrating the fellowship and, and the roots of, of where hunting came from. And so, compare that to now where it seems like anybody, uh, can put up a YouTube channel or get a, uh, you know, a B or C level, uh, program put on, on one of the outdoor stations. Um, and it's, it's completely different. You know, anybody that can buy a camera, uh, afford to buy a camera, uh, can have their hunts videotaped. Right. I mean, unfortunately, uh, a lot of those are really poor production value. Yeah. It's really about body counts and blood and guts and, you know, and then you start seeing uh, when that stuff takes hold and becomes popular, then even the products start, you know, start getting crude names, you know, you you're just go and, and uh, uh, look through, uh, you know, all the broadhead manufacturers and different names of broadheads that are out there now, you know, you're going to find, you know, it's just, it's uh, kind of macabre, actually, the, what they're naming these these uh, these heads anymore. So, um, yeah, I would say it depend. Let's say uh, twenty years ago, things are very much different and very uh, uh, much uh, much uh, better produced and and uh, uh, a lot better done than they are today.
0: Yeah. So even even with a high production value, do you feel that there's there's media out there that are you know, yeah, they have great production value, but they're still focusing on maybe the big rack and the unrelatable con the unrelatable style hunt that doesn't represent a majority of the hunting community.
1: Yes. Uh totally agree with you on that point. So uh, I don't know anybody that has a farm up in the Milk River in Montana. Uh, I don't know. Anybody that, that owns, you know, thousands of acres in, in, in Southern Iowa who has, you know, the latest and greatest UTV and, and, uh, four wheeler and, and, you know, hundreds of acres of food plots and, you know, they can just drop everything and, and go and, and, uh, you know, see these 160 170 200 inch deer every time they go out. Yeah. Um, and so in, in that way, um, and with the money, so much money involved in, in the sport now, um, you know, for those same guys I was talking about in the late nineties for them to continue to maintain their, uh, market share, you know, they've got to go out and they've got to shoot the biggest and best deer they can find. And so, um, all of that money, uh, influences, um, what they're trying to do. Um, and it definitely, um, it definitely sets an unrealistic standard as far as what people should expect when they go on an average hunt.
0: Right. Right. Okay. So, in regards to, I kind of want to. I want to flip the script here a second, and we we already we all we already know that there's this this group of people who don't like hunting, but then hunters also have to fight. And I wouldn't say it's huge because um, I have a social me- or I have several social media pages. I have the podcast, I get re, uh, you know, uh, feedback from that. And 90, 95, 99 percent of it is positive. But another thing that hunters have to go up against is other hunters talking trash on social media. And uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what you've experienced through
1: that? Right. And, you know, so it, it's hunters and it's fishermen too, right? Right. And so, right. Uh, in, in an ideal world, you know, I have a sportsman or, or fish brain or, or any of these outdoor apps or even on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, wherever people are, are posting, you know, public um, pictures or stories about you know, this, this, uh, this outing they had, whether it's, you know, uh, on the water in the field, you know, I would say for the most part, you see, uh, to your point, 90, 95% positive, uh, feedback, but then there's always, always the, the people out there that, you know, uh, they can't just congratulate people or they can't just be happy for people's success. Uh, you know, the deer was, was either uh, was nice, but boy, he'd have been, he'd have been really nice in two or three years or, you know, or or commenting, why would you shoot such a small deer? And, and why would you do this? Or why would you do that? Or, Hey, those, those walleyes look a little short to me. Hey, I wish, uh, I wish Iowa had, uh, fishing regulations, uh, like this other state because people are, are taking too many fish and, uh, you know, uh, so all of that garbage, um, goes out there and what ends up happening is it, it just, you know, those forms were originally made so people could get on there and, and talk and, and try and improve their own game. Right. If I see right. somebody that's been successful, um, uh, I'm not going to ask them for their GPS coordinates at a lake where they caught these fish. I might ask them, you know, what color they were using, if they were using live bait or, or if they were trolling, but I'm happy to go out and explore that lake myself given what I know about whatever species I'm after. Um, but you know, uh, I'm all about sharing in the success and, you know, um, uh, ultimately that's what the DNR self licenses for, right? They want everybody to be successful. They take that money, they go out and they have stocking programs for our lakes. And so when people, and our, in our rivers, and so when people get on social media and they're, um, uh, they're, uh, criticizing others for taking too many or, or, uh, you know, and, and with no, with no, uh, you know, an, even anecdotal evidence. It's like, well, what's too many? Yeah. The DNR put handbook right here says I can catch this many. I can keep this many in my possession. And so as long as I'm within the rules that were set forth by the scientists out there that are usually actual data and research and netting and, you know, electrofishing to determine... Yeah. The health of these bodies of water, then just congratulate me and buzz off you know yeah. um you know so and and that goes beyond just fishing. I mean, you know, like I said, the deer it's you always have those guys would have been nice in a couple of years or you know that you know that that thing's pretty small looking well, you know, I don't know where everybody is hunting or fishing, right right so if I shoot a hundred and thirty inch deer and I live and and I shot this deer up by just making this up up by algona gosh darn that's a pretty darn good deer up in the flat country in north central iowa right you know if i if i shoot a 150 and for me it doesn't matter if i have a 150 right. inch deer 140 inch deer 130 inch deer walk underneath me you know chances are uh, i'm going to be really tempted and chances are uh you know it, i'm going to take a shot at that thing right um and so and then you know it, it it's, it happens. It doesn't matter if it's hunting or fishing. It even gets down to species specific. Right. Um, you know, you got your musky guys that, that only want the the muskies handled in such and such a way. And if, if the picture <laughs> isn't perfect, gosh, did you get that thing back in the water? Oh my gosh. Did you keep that thing? It's yeah. like, you know what? It just, uh, nobody, it seems like, uh, uh, you know, that 1% of people, they, they give you the impression that, that nobody should keep a fish, nobody should should shoot a deer unless it, uh, you know, meets their, uh, their uh, you know, their undefined and, and unrealistic standards. So uh, my advice in the article is just, you know, don't be the know-it-all one-upper uh, that's criticizing everybody else's catch or everybody else's deer. Just be happy for them. Yeah, And hey, if if you're that guy that's criticizing uh, because you, you don't get out and fish as much as you want to or you've never caught a fish that big, maybe if you message that person and you're nice, they'll give you a tip or they'll help you out next time you're on the water.
0: Right. Absolutely. So do you think that sportsmen need to do anything different in the way that we communicate? I mean, you've kind of bro- broken it down there, but is, is there something that we need to do different or maybe walk a mile in somebody else's shoes before we make a comment online?
1: I think you do. You know, I, I it, and for me, it kind of goes back to, to, to the, my job, right. Send a lot of emails every day. And uh, you know, over the years I've learned, you know, before I hit that send button, you know, if I read this from whoever's going to receive that, if I read that from their perspective, um, how would it make me feel? Right. Right. Um, and, and then I, if, if, if I feel like, um, you know, Hey, you know, that's not really what I'm trying to to say or, Hey, you know, that might rub somebody the wrong way. I'll go back and, and modify that thing until it, it really, you know, whether it's two or three revisions or whatever, I, I try to be very really thoughtful both at work and in, you know, when I am interacting on social media about what I'm saying, um, because it's hard to, it's hard, uh, it's hard to really interpret uh, lines of text on a screen. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, I think we all need to be cognizant of, of, uh, you know, when when we're using bold and when we're using all caps and when we're using exclamation points and underlining all these things um, in in the way that that makes people feel, because ultimately, you know, uh, th- these boards, like I said before, they were made to promote, you know, the exchange of information. Of course there's trophy rooms in, in every board you go on, but you know uh, if you go to walleye central, for example, I mean, half the time the, the topics on there, uh, the, the community, right? Guys are talking about, well, what kind of pickup do you like? Or I had this problem with my pickup when I was pulling my boat down the road, you know, and, and they're getting help and advice from these guys that, you know, maybe that relationship started when they were talking, you know, sharing a fish story or sharing a, a story about a home. and that turned into, Hey, I have a, I have a diesel too. You know, I had the same problem. You know, that's what these forms are for to build community and build relationships. Um, that, that may, uh, if you're lucky in some cases, go beyond the sport and actually turn into real friendships.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I've got a couple of those I can speak on. Just from, I've never even met these people in real life, but I've formed some kind of a a digital friendship with them just because they were interested in the way I hunt and I was interested in the the way they hunt or the products that they use and just questioning and stuff like that. Now, on the flip side, man, I, I know exactly what you're talking about when you go into some of these forums. And I I was on a specific forum, I won't say the name, and I asked a question about arrows, right? Because I was at the time I was shooting a real light arrow and I wanted to beef it up a little bit. This was several years ago and I shoot a heavier arrow. Well, I went onto the forum and I asked questions like, okay, I'm looking for a heavy arrow. What what are your recommendations? The first two comments were positive. Hey, why don't you try this? Here's the breakdown, blah blah blah. And then after that, the third guy was trashing the second guy, and the second guy responded. And then it just all of a sudden became about nothing that was related to even arrows after a period of time. And that turned me off uh, of, of that pre- uh, specific forum and as kind of as, as forums as a whole. And I, I don't even visit many anymore. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, just to kind of elaborate on what you said, I think we just need to chill. Uh, and I always, I always, and excuse me for being blunt, but I always joke about, you know, every once in a while I'll find myself doing something douchey. And I think being a douchebag, you can control that. So it's just like, don't be a douchebag, right?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I totally, totally understand it. And I've seen the same thing And the bad thing is what makes it worse is if you're on a forum where, Um, you know, you have administrators that have full-time jobs and they're only on there certain hours a day and and that kind of, uh, those kinds of interactions are allowed to continue and, and, you know, the, the likely suspects every time there's a new threat out there, whether it's about hunting or fishing or, or, or firearms, um, you've got the likely suspects every time that, you know, you're, you're just waiting for it. Um, And then, you know, if you're the original, the OP, the original poster, you know, if you end up getting your question answered, um, you're lucky in many cases because it it turns into a a pissing match between um, three or four guys or or the same two guys that had beef five years ago on some thread um, (laughs) that nobody cares about. But those two are going to beef every time they see the other guy um, commenting on a thread.
0: Right. Yeah. That's funny. So ending on a positive note here, what do you think we need to do as a whole, as far as the hunting community is concerned to not only put out a better vibe to people who don't hunt, but also a better vibe to um, other hunters within our own community?
1: You know, I think if for people that don't hunt, um, and I touched on this before, Um, if you're in a conversation and and these people are interested and and even if they're not interested, maybe they are in air hunting because of something they've seen or something they've heard um, explaining to them that, you know, yeah, you might've seen this, but, you know, that's, that is not the way the majority of people act, you know, And, and this is, you know, these are the things that, that, that real hunters value, you know, it's not, Hey, I pulled the trigger, and I killed this thing and you know it it bled out of both sides, and you know it you know whatever um it's about all the the journey right you know my my dad started teaching us boys how to shoot and how to hunt how to fish, you know as soon as he felt like we were comfortable, usually around five or six years old right. and so you know it's a it's a journey, and so it, you, you know unless you're, it's just a hobby and something you like, but not something, you know, you've built a lifestyle around. Um, You know, most people, all the hunters I know, I mean, they could sit down with somebody who doesn't know anything about hunting or something that somebody that has a bad taste in their mouth about it and at least tell them their side of the story. Uh, And I think for, at least I believe uh, that the vast majority of the hunters um, in the country have very similar stories in value, very similar things. Um, and so, you know, I think that's where it starts is just kind of educating people on on truth versus perception. Right. Amen, man. And I think that's a good spot
0: to end this podcast. Uh, thanks for taking time to hop on uh, and uh, chit-chat, you know, and share your opinions about this. And uh, good luck this upcoming season, man.
1: You too, Dan. And, and uh, I'll be in touch. I'll let you know how we do.
0: And that brings us to the end of another Iowa Sportsman episode. Thank you for all, thank you all <laughs> for listening to this episode, man. Really appreciate it. Hopefully uh, this got your gears kind of turning and um, thinking a little bit about how you represent hunting uh, in your circle of friends and uh, peers. Other than that, uh, you know, if you're not subscribed to the Iowa Sportsman podcast, go to iTunes or wherever you download uh, your, your episodes. And uh, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to go to the iowasportsman.com website and check out all the awesome articles that are being posted there, uh, hunting, fishing, and uh, other cool type articles that are uh, that represent Iowa as a whole. And then lastly, the magazine, right? If you're not subscribed, you need to be subscribed to this magazine. On top of the website, on top of this podcast, there is a ton of great information that comes through the magazine as well. Really good articles. So, you know, why not just have the trifecta, the website, the podcast, and the magazine, and then you got it all there. So, other than that, hopefully everybody has a good rest of the week. Get outside, enjoy Mother Nature. Take uh, someone that you've never taken hunt hunting or fishing before, and uh, you know, spread the word, share the share the good news about the outdoors, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.